Well, this is part six in the series called The Sword of the Spirit. Been camping here for a long time, looking for my speech and your speech to be radically altered to where we are no longer speaking death words, but we've learned how to speak life words. And I told you last week, we're teaching out of Ephesians 6.17, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I shared with you that using death words is bad, but not using life words is worse. And so we've been camping here, and um, we're going to, I don't know how much longer, but let's pray. Lord, give us ears to hear, and even more so hearts that respond in obedience to you. Thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you for forgiveness. What an amazing gift that is that washes away guilt and shame and condemnation. God, we're just so grateful. Now, as we hear this word, Lord, may we make appropriate responses to it in Jesus' name. Amen. I was sharing with you last week how I was on vacation and I was just uh, sort of looking at some news and uh, just bad news. And I was thinking about all the bad news and all the devastating news everywhere, every day, every hour of the day. And that that news, it's factual news, but it produces fear in some, it produces anger in others, it produces hatred in others, it produces worry, or it produces arguing nonstop about who's to blame for this. Now, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, what is in the heart comes out of the mouth. So how does it get in the heart? How? Well, we know the principle. We become what we behold. What we behold, we become. So what we look at and focus on and think about and talk about and how we even see life and the events of life, how we see that is what we become. Jesus said this in Luke eleven thirty four. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye, when your eyes are good, now that doesn't mean your physical eyes, but when how you behold life and what you behold in life, if it's good, if it's godly, your whole body also is full of life, light. But when they are bad, when you take in bad and you see circumstances in a negative way, instead of in a way that God can always redeem, God can always work good, your body also is full of darkness. So what you and I take in through our eyes, our spiritual eyes, what we're looking at, focusing on, it fills our being. Yes, the physical eyes, but more with the focus of our spiritual eyes, our mind, our heart, and soul. So our hearts get full of what we set our hearts and minds on. When our hearts and minds are set on, whatever they're set on, 
that's what fills our hearts. Then out of what's filled our heart comes out of our mouths. So remember what I was saying in the beginning. If constant bad news is what you're beholding, and even if you see life through the lens of negativity, that will come out of your mouth. We looked at Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Verse 1 says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your passions, your emotions, uh, your desires on things above. If you are set up there in heavenly places, fear, anger, and arguing about things below won't get on you because you're set up there. Verse 2, set your minds. So verse 1, set your hearts. Verse 2, set your minds on things above. And then here's this, not on earthly things. So first set your heart, now set your mind. Your mind, your thoughts, your meditations, your focus, how you view life through the lenses of either the kingdom or simply life happens. Not on earthly things. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, is there your heart will be also is your treasure above or is your treasure below now only people who live in the other realm the above realm the heavenly realm are able to bring that realm into this realm only people who set their minds and hearts on things above are able to bring that realm into this realm so when people say, boy, you need to get your head out of the clouds, that's false. We need to get our heads in heavenly places. We need to get our eyes off of this world and onto his world. Or I talked about the incredibly demonic statement repeated over and over again in the church. You can be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. That's absolutely false. Only heavenly-minded people bring heaven. Now, you can be pseudo-heavenly-minded where you're mostly focused on how spiritual you are and how wonderful you are, but if you're truly heavenly-minded, in other words, you can be so heavenly-minded that you carry heaven with you and you're able to release it wherever you go. Only heavenly-minded people bring heaven to earth. And we talked about, you know, but Mike, this is happening and this is happening and that is happening. I know it is. So fix your heart and mind above. Yes, I know those things are happening. Now go to heaven. Go before the throne of God. Go to the place where you can intercede before the throne of grace and talk, pray, intercede concerning what is below. But set your mind above, not on things below. People say, but yeah, but we need to keep abreast of how horrible it is down here. Go ahead. Not really. But I and other biblical Christians need to stay abreast of things above, not things below. And I so believe this. If the church prayed as much, or even what about this, more about the mess of our nation, then we talk about it, read about it, argue about it, watch news about it, are aghast about it, our nation would be in revival. Say, but yeah, but all this is happening. I know, so go up there. But the government and, and, and all these horrible things. I know, so go up there. Yeah, but my job and my health and all this. I know, go up there. But oh, this nation is going downhill. So go up there. Because no amount of talking 
or planning or educating yourself will change this nation or this valley or you. It has its place, but the thing that changes the heart is the Lord Jesus Christ. As you behold him with unveiled faces, we're transformed. Now, let me just put this in here. There are those called to research and expose lies and speak truth. There are those called to that, and they benefit us, but we don't want to camp there. We don't want to camp on the counterfeit. We want to count on the authentic. The invisible comes into the visible for those that live with their minds fixed on things above. You know, no matter how you slice it, we cannot get around not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. We talked about how much did Paul rail against the, the Roman uh, uh, Caesars and the Roman government about how evil they were. None. Okay, today people are constantly railing against the government. Christians, Paul didn't spend any time on that. He did talk about the wicked being punished, and he talked about walking with God. All he says about government, in, 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 in a sense, is obey the government, pray for them, and give thanks. Okay, and that's a whole different message. Rome was unbelievably wicked and vile and sinister. How come Paul didn't talk about it over and over and over and over again? Because his mind was set on things above. He didn't see Rome as king. He saw Jesus as king. Now, Philippians 4.8 is vital for us. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, are noble, are just, are pure, are lovely, of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Camp there. Let that dominate you. Consider it. Ponder it. In other words, set your mind on things above. Don't think and talk about over and over things below. Now, I want you to remember this verse, John eight thirty two. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you and I aren't free in any of our area of our lives, it is because there's an area of truth we have not learned or we have not believed, or we have not applied to our lives. God doesn't want us to be in bondage. All of us at times have gotten stuck at times, but when we discovered a truth, applied a truth, learned a truth, freedom came, because where the Spirit of God is, the Spirit of truth, where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom and liberty. And so people say, I need to know what's going on on the earth. Well, you know what you really, you and I really need to know about? What's going on above? What is the will of God in the situations around us that we're to be praying into, speaking into, and releasing? I know what's going on down here. Death, rebellion, sin, pain, heartache, and hunger. I need to know the sound of abundance of rain. I need to know about the army of angels surrounding me that eradicate all my fear, and it leads me, not fear leading me. I need to know the will of heaven so I can speak it into the realm around me. You see, if I'm set on things below, I release the fear, the anger, the blaming, the arguing of the things that I'm set on down here. We talked about voting too. So let me ask this question, because some ask it about because of last week. Now, is it wrong to watch the news? Of course not, unless it leads you to fear or leads you to anger or leads you to worry or leads you to hatred or leads you to arguing, then it's wrong. 
But if it moves you to action like prayer or like giving relief or by saying, I'm going to go serve people, then watch the news. Now, see, here's my testimony. I used to, I used to watch and listen to O'Reilly and Beck and Hannity and others, and yes, it was to be informed. But I found myself, I'm not saying you, but me, angry, disgusted, ticked off, worried, afraid. And I wanted to talk about how bad it was when I have a Jesus who's oh so good to talk about. Now, that doesn't even make sense. Here I have a Jesus and a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and I want to talk about everything that's shaking. Something's wrong with that. If bad news doesn't move us to action, it's pointless to view it. But if news moves you and I to pray, to vote, and to get involved in serving children or serving others, watch away. But I don't want anyone getting on people who've made a decision not to watch, because there are people that have made decisions not to watch, or maybe they don't have TV or whatever it is. Unless people are lazy. Now, you can be lazy on both sides of this issue, whether you watch or you don't watch. Now, I listened to Bill Johnson this week, and after I preached last week, I couldn't believe that I heard him say this. He said, I don't watch the news. It's a personal thing. He said, it's not wrong unless you aren't moved to prayer. One hour later, I was listening to Dr. Michael Brown, and he said, don't just get mad, don't get mad or fearful when you hear or watch news, be moved to prayer. Now, in one week, I'm just like, okay, God, we're tracking here. Um, Now, you can be moved to apathy by watching the news or by not watching the news, or you can be angry on both sides of it. I'll just say this, the majority of people that are really into the craziness of our planet, they are non-intercessors. A few are really into praying and action concerning the news. Hallelujah for that. But most news junkies, so-called informed people, they're just complainers. You call a prayer meeting, they don't come. They're at home watching O'Reilly. People say, well, I care about this nation. Oh, Yeah enough to fast, enough to pray, enough to do something here in our valley. You see, I can't do anything about Washington. I mean, I can pray, but I can't do anything, but I can touch people here. The kids here, the youth here, the elderly here, the hungry here. I can disciple one person because the kingdom grows as we stop for the one. Not when we get all riled up about Iran or Washington or Hollywood or whatever it is. James one twenty. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Luke eighteen seven and God and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with him day and night, night and day. Let incense arise. Now a confession to make to you. Last year I read two books. The books were very long books, totaling about 900, 1,000 pages. The books were about how bad it is and how many horrible things are happening and how many bizarre things that none of us know about that's happening that are happening and is playing right into Antichrist coming on the scene. I mean, some bizarre things. Probably true. But when I closed these two books, I thought, here's the first thought that came to my mind, and I enjoyed the books. But then here's the thought. 
so what? I can't do anything about this stuff I'm reading that's happening back here, back over there, across the, the globe, in this country, and that. I can't do anything about that. Except live for God with all my heart. And I should live for God with all my heart if the world is crazy or the world's not crazy. If the Antichrist is coming or if he's not coming. We're not looking for the Antichrist. We're looking for Christ. Uh, People say this. We need to get right. The time is short. Oh, well, if the time wasn't short, could we eat, drink, and be merry? Or how about this? We need to share Jesus with our neighbors. The time is short. Oh, So if it wasn't short, we wouldn't need to, and they can just go to hell? That doesn't make sense. Or people say this, we need to live holy lives, the time is short. Oh, so if the time wasn't short, we wouldn't have to live holy, we could live lukewarm, but when the time gets short, then we really need to live holy for him? Okay, he's worthy to go after, no matter what's going on out there, he's worthy. We're to go after him. We're to be lights and salt no matter when he comes, tomorrow, next year, 10 years, 100 years. All right, enough of that. Because I wanted to know how. That's what I was praying for on vacation, Lord. How do I fix my mind on things above? How do I live down here, work, focus on my job? And it would not be said of me that my heart is fixed on things below. How do I do that? How do I focus on my family, my kids, my wife, my grandkids, my bills, my house, my yard, my cars, and yet my mind and heart are set on things above and on whatever is good and lovely and not on things below? I mean, how do I go to the beach, the mountains, the city, vacation, some hobby, and totally enjoy myself, yet I'm, yet still be fixed on things above? You ready? i got three things for you here. Yeah, I just... Pray God, show me how. And here's uh, some of the scriptures that came into my mind. Hebrews eleven thirteen. All these people, it's the faith chapter, Old Testament saints, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Now, that's the writer of Hebrews. Here's what Peter says. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and stranger. Writer of Hebrews said aliens and strangers. Peter says aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Step one, see yourself as an alien and stranger. This is not your home. So you're not living for this home, this world. You're living for the next. This is not my home. So you can close your eyes, click your heels together and say, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Now listen, that must be, there must be this revelation to us that this is not it. This is the shadow. This is the appetizer before the appetizer. This is not the main event. This is temporary beyond belief in light of eternity. If I were to snap my fingers, that would still take too long to compare that to eternity. Life is over in a moment. And our hearts and minds need to be fixed on our home of where we're going. But there's a flip side to that, which will be number two. You know, I was never in the military or overseas very long, but even those two weeks in Malaysia, man, I was longing for home. When I just 
went on a three-week vacation, went back and uh, back east and visited family. But I'm telling you, after a while, I was longing for home, longing. I've missed you guys. Paul said it this way, Romans 8, 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So we become more heavenly minded the more we realize this isn't our home. This is our home away from home, but it can't compare. But the flip side of this, which is vital, is probably more important to comprehend this. 2 Corinthians 5.20, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. This is not our home. We're away from home. We're on an ambassador mission. We're going back. We'll be going to our home very soon. But while we're here, we are full-time ambassadors of Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is step number two. You must see yourself as an ambassador of heaven while living on earth, an ambassador of Christ. You and I must see in everything we do, everywhere we go, and everything we say, we represent the king. So yes, we go to work. We focus on our job. We do a good job. Maybe we get a raise or advance up. So does that mean we're focused on things below? No, it doesn't. Not if we're doing it as an ambassador of the king, as an ambassador of heaven. If our heart and mind is set on representing Jesus well at work, while we focus on earth, then we're being heavenly minded set on things above. But if we go to work with, oh gosh, it's Monday, that's being earthly minded. Or if we go to work and we slack off, we're being earthly minded. If we go to work and we get caught up in office talk and gossip and language and, and, and dirty jokes, then we're earthly minded. You see, two Christians could be sitting side by side in a workplace, both doing the same amount of work, but one is there for one purpose, to represent Jesus, well, he's heavenly minded. The other person, a Christian, he's there for the paycheck, for the promotion, for the friendships, for the weekend. He's earthly minded, or she. Two Christians go into a store, or a restaurant, or a place of business. One goes in as an ambassador of Jesus, and for food. The other goes in for food, for food to be served to them just the right way, and if not, they're not very happy. One is earthly-minded, one is above. Two Christians go into Starbucks. One goes in for coffee. The other goes in to represent the king and for coffee. Always an ambassador. So the heavenly-minded person never takes a day off, never takes an hour off, never takes a minute off of being an ambassador of the king. So this heavenly-minded person can focus on bills, on the job, on the kids, on everything else, but still be set on things above because everything he or she does is out of who they are in Jesus. See, I could be focused on my marriage, reading books, getting counseling, not because I'm earthly-minded, set on things below, but because he said, Jesus said, have a great marriage, demonstrating the love of Christ in his church. So I'm focused on my marriage because I'm focused on him. And he says, fix it. 
But see, you could be focused on your marriage so that your partner gets his act together. That's being earthly-minded. So maybe I'm studying what car should I buy. I'm looking at prices, I'm comparing options, I'm taking time, and it seems like I'm fixed on things below, and I could be. Or I'm trying to be the best steward of the resources that he's given me because I'm fixed on representing him well. Maybe you're studying for a test or a license or a career field. And, man, when you do that, you've got to focus. And, man, it, it, you know, it occupies you. Now, does that mean you're being earthly-minded? Well, if it's to just get ahead or get out of your deadbeat job or so you can buy more toys, then, yeah, that's being earthly-minded. Or are you dreaming about things above coming through your new pro- profession? One is from above, one is from below. Colossians 3.23 says this very clearly in 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. There it is. Whatever you do, see it as unto Jesus. Then you and I will do the best that we can do. You see, if we're working for our boss and he or she has been yucky, we might give them yucky. But if you see it as unto Jesus, then your boss who's being yucky gets Jesus. Your spouse might deserve yucky. But if you see it as unto Jesus, because your mind is set on things above, you give them what is from above, not from what is below. They may deserve yucky, but from above, they get Jesus. In fact, a lot of people around you and me, they deserve yucky. And they get yucky if you and I are earthly-minded. But if you and I are heavenly-minded, they get Jesus. Verse 24, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the reward, from the Lord as a reward, it's the Lord Christ you are serving. So think of this, five students go to school. All of them are Christian. One goes to prepare for college. One goes for sports. One goes for the girls or the guys. One goes to get out of the house. One goes to show the beauty of who Jesus is. Four Christians are earthly-minded. One is heavenly-minded, but get this. The heavenly-minded one can still enjoy sports and still prepare for college and even still get out of the house. We must see this as our reality. We are a heavenly-minded people. He is our Lord, and we are ambassadors of him We're not from this place. We're aliens and strangers. But while we're here, our goal is to represent him because we've been bought. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Man, if we could learn that one. You are not your own. You are were bought at a price. The price was blood. You were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, honor God with your body. 
By the way, your body has been redeemed. People say, oh, the flesh is evil. No, the flesh is not evil. Carnal desires are evil. The flesh has been redeemed. Christ has purified us so that we can lift up holy hands, so that our mouths can speak holy words, so that our feet can go holy places to minister his love. The flesh carries a treasure in this earthen vessel, and it's been redeemed. So when we realize our body was bought to be an ambassador, a vessel of glory, I live down here, but it's four up there. Now even the most mundane things down here can lay up treasure up there because it's for him. There was a monk who lived hundreds of years ago. I believe his name was Brother Lawrence. But people would travel for even up to hundreds of miles. And this was said of him, just to watch him do dishes. Because he carried the presence of God. He carried heaven in the most mundane things. It, he was the one that titled that, or started this phrase, practicing the presence. I carry his presence even when I wash dishes. I carry his presence into the store. I carry his presence when I'm working on the car. I'm carrying his presence when I, when I uh, clean the house. I carry his presence at work. And this man so learned to carry his presence that people felt the presence of heaven. You know, so I've heard people say this, man. Oh, I feel so slimed when I'm around certain people. You know why people feel slimed? Because that's their faith level. According to their faith level, it is done. See, people have said that for years. Oh, when you get around some people, you just sort of get slimed. And so people heard it and they believed it. They believed they could be slimed, so they were. Now, when I was in, in school a couple of years ago, I didn't believe I could be slimed anymore. I used to believe that. Man, I heard cussing every day and all kinds of things. I never felt slimed for two reasons. Number one, I love them. I love them. But number two, I didn't believe I could be. I believed righteousness was stronger than sin. I believe that light shines in darkness. Darkness doesn't shine in the light. The Jews were afraid to touch lepers. Jesus touched lepers. The Jews were afraid of being unclean. Jesus touched the unclean, and his cleanness touched their uncleanness. We're ambassadors of the king of the universe. You think we carry something inside of us? Do you think Christ is inside of you thinking, oh, don't get near that person. They might slime me. No, of course not. Christ in you. You think that should show? Absolutely. Do you think Jesus inside of you is afraid of people who sin? Now, I'm not talking to people who are just coming out of a, of a sinful lifestyle. Often you do need to separate until you learn the ways of the Lord and his power and to, to keep and protect you. But listen, we aren't afraid of darkness. Darkness is afraid of us. We aren't afraid of demons. Demons are afraid of us learning our authority in Christ. So if they can get us to be afraid of the world, like, ooh, they're going to slime me, ooh, ooh, then the enemy has won. But if we realize that the righteousness of Christ is way stronger uh, than any kind of evil, and listen, so many believers, you know, I believe we're in the last days, and I don't know exactly what that, how long that could be, but my outlook is that the greatest, that these are the greatest days to be alive, that the best wine has been saved for the last, that the glory of the latter house will far surpass the early church. 
Yes, there's bad things, but that only accentuates the glory of Jesus. Now, Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 5. Listen to this. Arise, shine, for your light has coming, has come. Now, has the light come to you and I? Absolutely. Is, is the light of Christ shining in us? Absolutely. Are we supposed to let our light shine? Yes. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Jesus said, the glory of the Father gave me, I give to you. Verse 2, see, darkness covers the earth. Does it? Yeah. And thick darkness is over the peoples. So should we be afraid? No. But it says this, but the Lord rises upon you. And if God before you, who can be against you? No, that's in Romans. Okay, but back to Isaiah. The Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. See, when there's darkness, God wants to accentuate the light and the glory that's on us. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar. Could be prodigals coming home. And your daughters are carried on the arm. Verse 5, then you will look and be radiant. See, when there's great darkness, we will look. We will look at him. We will set our mind on things above, on whatever's good and lovely and a good report. Then you will look and you'll be radiant because we're reflecting what we're looking at. Ooh, we're reflecting what we're looking at. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. You see, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the onslaught of the church. Satan is under attack by you and by me if we could get the faith for it. If you have the faith for Satan is attacking me, that's what you get. I don't ever use that language, folks. I know people do everywhere, all over the place. I don't use that language because I think Satan is being attacked day and night night and day, by the prayers and the obedience of the saints. You know, when Cheryl got this disease with Alyssa's condition, with my beautiful car being totaled in my back and a number of things happening with just family members and stuff, I never once, Cheryl never once said, oh, Satan is attacking us. Because we believe our God shall soon crush Satan underneath our feet. I believe that he's placed all things, Colossians, under us. He's placed all things under us. So that means Satan is under attack. We aren't under attack. Now, yes, we can get attacked, but it's to our feet, our ability to move. Okay, We just got to learn how to stomp in the name of Jesus. So what do you have faith for in the last days? A powerful Antichrist? Or a glorious Christ with a pure and spotless bride, powerful, shining forth with miracles and wonders and beauty everywhere in your reality. I'm telling you, according to your faith, it will be done for you and, and, to, and to, to me. If we believe the, the, the last days will be just this horror, if we focus on one part of the last days, we'll come under its power. If we focus on the, all, but if we focus on what Christ wants to do in you and I, if we want to focus on arise, shine, for your light is coming, the glory of the Lord is going to rise upon you. According to your faith, 
according to how you view. Do you view the days as victory ahead? We're not afraid of an antichrist because the Christ, he who dwells in me, is greater than he who's of the world. Now listen, at the end of time, Satan will have a perfectly evil army, but God will not be outdone. God will have the most glorious bride, though some will still be walking around feeling sorry for themselves, focused on themselves, holding on to petty things, having excuse after excuse. Satan's finest won't compare to God's finest. Number three, to stay heavenly minded. Very simple. Say, either in your mind, when it's appropriate, or out loud, when it's appropriate, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. When you say the name of Jesus, not in vain repetition, of course not as a cuss word, not just as a tradition, but say the name of Jesus. That name focuses back on, I'm his ambassador. He's preparing a place for me. There's no name like his name. There's no name given in heaven or on earth by which men can be saved but the name of Jesus. I like to say his name to get my mind back, to get myself centered, my being centered back on Heavenly things, things above, pure, lovely, praiseworthy, good report. Speak his name, that name. By that name, demons flee. By that name, sickness flees. By that name, bondages get broken. By that name, people that are under the king, in the kingdom of darkness get transferred into the kingdom of God. So listen, whisper his name, call out his name, shout out the name of Jesus. My heart will sing no other name but Jesus, because there is power simply in the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Now again, this is not vain repetition. This is not some kind of formula. He's a person. Say his name. When life is crazy and fearful things are around and you feel the spirit of rejection coming on you and you're feeling hurt and pain, say his name. Jesus. There is peace in the name of Jesus. Say his name. There's comfort. In the, there's assurance in the name of Jesus who saved me. Speak his name to stay heavenly minded. Just speak out his name. Just say his name. Just shout his name in your mind when it's appropriate. And if, if you can't do it because people are all around you, in your in your mind, just speak out his name. Say his name. There is no other name. No other name like the name of our Savior. And I encourage you to give yourself to these three things 
You're an alien and stranger. This isn't your home, but you've got a home. And be fix your mind on that. You can go through anything if you know heaven's coming. Man, you can go through anything if you know heaven's coming. That's how people have, have gladly faced martyrdom because they knew something better was coming. Sudden death, sudden glory. But remember, even though this is not our home, we have an assignment down here. We are ambassadors. We are ambassadors of the king in everything we do. In everywhere we go, in everything that we say, we're to represent King Jesus. We are his representatives on the earth. All right? So see yourself that way. And then learn to speak the name that's above every name. Speak it over. Speak it. Let the peace come. Let the joy come back. Let just the confidence and the comfort that's found in the name of Jesus, that's found in the person of Jesus. Speak that name. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for the name of Jesus. There is no other name. There is no other name by which man can be saved but the name of Jesus Christ and faith in that name. And Lord, I pray that, oh, how we'd learn this. This isn't our home. We're aliens. We're strangers. But man, while we are here, we are ambassadors of the greatest, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God, the creator of the universe. We are representatives of you, and you have commissioned us and filled us to be the ambassadors. And Lord, let us have faith according to our faith. Let us see that no, people can't slime us, but our righteousness can begin to touch other people. Lord, I just pray that our faith will grow in this area. And Lord, not in vain repetition, not as a formula. Help us to learn the power of that name. Jesus, you said we were to ask the Father in your name. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we want to learn these life words. Oh, God, move amongst us. Move amongst us. In the glorious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.